Last Sunday, as you remember, I was talking about, uh, I'm, I can't, I just, it's, it's amazing, Jenny, how a sermon from last week will dovetail into this week, even though they're totally different subject material. But the Holy Ghost knows how to dovetail things and how to seamlessly move things together. And so sometimes uh, when that happens, uh, sometimes it doesn't happen that way, but this week it does. And so I just mentioned 30 seconds of last week's so that you can remember in case you weren't watching or in case you were, you know, it's been seven days. A lot's happened in your life since then. So just to help refresh you, I was talking about how God's been dealing with us from those three scriptures, John 7 and Acts chapter 4. John 7 says hunger. Acts chapter 4 says gather and pray and you'll be refilled. Right. If you hunger, you'll be filled. And if you gather, you'll be refilled. And then, of course, uh, you know, then we were also looking at Luke 14 and God said, I want my house to be full. I want people to gather. And we were talking last Sunday. I, this has been the Wednesday before. And the, but then I was saying, why is God putting so much emphasis on that hungering, on that gathering, on not making excuses? Remember uh, on that. He said we're at a turning point. Why is he talking? We've been talking a lot about agape, attending, giving, assisting. That's ministry of praying, evangelizing. We've got to get back to the basics because COVID seems to have robbed people of the basics. Amen. Put a fog over people's eyes. Yeah. Now they think it's okay. And by the way, I was praying and I, and I saw something in the spirit and the Holy Ghost said to me, uh, tell the people, and I'm telling you that are watching right now. I saw it in the spirit. I saw people cooking while I'm preaching. I, call, I saw people doing to-do lists while I'm preaching. I saw people washing dishes while I'm preaching, feeding their dog while I'm preaching. And I'm serious. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, tell them. And I'm telling you at home, if you're looking at me, listen to me, because I speak by the Spirit of God. I'm not speaking out of my own mind. I heard the Spirit of God yesterday say to me, tell the people at home that if they would watch at home because they can't come, uh, you know, because not everybody can come to every service, but it's not your fault. We know you're faithful. But tell them if they'll watch at home with the same demeanor, as they would if they were in the sanctuary, they'll get more. Amen. You don't wash dishes and feed your pet while you're here where you say, well, I don't have dishes or I don't have my pet. But even if you did, you wouldn't because there's an honor in the house of God. Well, your house becomes the house of God. It becomes the sanctuary of God when you're not here and it's beyond your, beyond your ability to be here. If you'll watch in the same way with the same attitude of reverence that you do when you're sitting in the seat, you'll get more from God. This is not, this is not a game show. I don't have Vanna White, although she's Vanna Brown, but I, but I don't have Vanna White running the wheel and do, 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 do. do you want to buy a valve? Hey, well, this is not a game show. Okay, this is not, let's the price, uh, 29 cents, 30 cents, what's that show called? Price is right. This is not a game show. This is church. This is a holy moment with God where he speaks by the anointing through the word, through a person. And he'll talk directly to you. If you'll honor that more, you'll get more from it. So why has he been emphasizing this about agape and going back to the basics? Why has he been saying about this is a season of death? Remember one, two, three years? Uh, he said this is a death season in terms of we've got to put our flesh under more than ever before. We've got, to, we've got to develop a spirituality as the core of this church more than ever before. Because if we're believing God for that building and for that increase and for this international work, we've got to step up. Do you understand? <laughs> People don't understand what it's like to be me and what it's like to do my job. But when I know so clearly what God is asking us to do, and I know I need warriors with me. I don't need babies. Little baby Christians can turn into warriors almost overnight, depending on their hearts. So I don't mean that I don't want new people coming. What I'm saying is I want people that are hungry and committed and in unity and not whining. You know, somebody told me that because I had thanked people for the pad offering and said, thank you for those that gave and for those that didn't give, because only half the church ever gives for birthdays or pad or whatever. I'm not sure what the other 50% are thinking because they're basically saying, you have no value to me. That's what they're saying. I don't want money. If you just want to write a card to say, I love you, Pastor, happy Pastor Appreciation Day, that would be honorable. But 50% don't do nothing and never have. We've only ever had a 50% ratio in this church. And yet, Pastor Happy, when I said thank you to those that gave and for those that didn't, God bless you anyway. Somebody almost left the church because I said that. And they said, how dare he say that? How dare he say? And for those that didn't. Well, I guess the person that got offended was one of the ones that didn't. But you see, that's called baby. But that's not a new, brand new Christian getting it. That's somebody that sat here for years. 
getting offended. How am I supposed to go to war when I got people ready to stab me in the back? As a, as, a, as a leader, as a general, so to speak, I'm trying to raise an army. It's very frustrating when you're raising an army and you've got people that have been in boot camp for 19 cycles and they failed every cycle. And they're still whining about the heat and my boots don't fit right. This gun's so heavy. And Pastor Craig keeps yelling at me to, to shoot. I don't care if I shoot the target. The problem is when you get into the, when you get into the higher echelons of warfare and of, and, of, and of revival and of the glory and all the things that will try to stop and come against you, you'll be grateful that you paid attention during boot camp and that you've learned how to answer things instead of let thoughts overwhelm you and how to not get offended and how to be a covenant man and how to get yourself healed when sickness shows up. You'll be grateful for that in that day, but, but in the training, it never feels quite, never. quite that good. Never. But when the, when the attack comes and you get victory, oh boy, then, you, then, then you're not offended with me. Then it's like, wow, thank you for teaching me. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, I'm just saying, as a pastor, sometimes you're, we're trying to raise an army, Jenny, and sometimes when you see people that are so far from the qualification of being a soldier. Paul used three examples in the New Testament, one a soldier theme, one a farmer theme, and one a sportsman theme. Run your race, and then the farmer stuff is all about cultivating, right? And then a lot about, a lot about soldiering. In other words, man up! He even said to some of those wussies, quit yourself like a man, stop being a baby. But you see, people in today's society, well, if you tell me that, I'll go down to the church down there because they don't tell me that. And I, and I don't, and I, but it doesn't matter what they tell you, don't tell you where to God plant you because if you get out of the perfect will of God, you're, you're not going to have the full flow anyway. I'm not manipulating you, I'm just saying. I'm trying to raise an army. And it's very disheartening when you see people that should be developing spiritually, like Dad Hagen said, growing up spiritually, still falling into these traps of offense, these traps of carnality, these traps of laziness, and COVID only amplified all of that. I tell you, God told me COVID was an attack against the church. The devil doesn't care about people. He's got them going to hell anyway. He wants to destroy the church. Because in the realm of the Spirit, 2020, I believe not just for us, but globally was a marker of preparation for the last day great revival. And he knows that, so he's trying to take churches out right at the beginning. It's to get, it's to ch close churches. Well, he didn't win with us on that. It's to get people afraid. He won a little bit, but we're pushing back that fear. And it's to get people to be lazy. We lost more on the laziness than on the fear. We've lost ground more in laziness than ever, but we're pushing that back too. And the Lord said, we're turning a corner. And last week he said, you're three quarters of the way through that turn. And he said, next week, which is this coming week, he said, you'll have completed the turn in the spirit. So we're, I'm raising an army here. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be selfish. I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm trying to say, grow up, pray and live right. Because where we're going, we're not just a normal little church that, that we, have a, we have a vision for something for the city. We have a mantle for a revival in the city. It's going to take more from a church like us that is called to be a revival, a glory center, than just the, rest, the other church who can get away with being more carnal because God didn't ask them to do that. And on top of trying to touch Toronto with the glory, we've, he's also, which I didn't ask, but he's also said, I also want you to do some stuff out there. Do you understand? There's a lot that he expects. And so I can't make you pray, but I can make myself pray. And so I'm just doing what I know to do right. And I have to trust him with the rest of you. I have to say, Lord, you're going to get, you're gonna have to get a hold of them. Because I can't force it in the flesh, because then it is manipulation. But I'm just praying that you'll touch hearts and that they'll catch this man. There's nothing more important than Jesus in our life. Not your job, not your money, not your, not your new car, not your RSP, not your vacation. All of those have their place. But Jesus and the kingdom of God is all that matters. In fact, last week, do you remember, I, got, I didn't have 30 minutes worth of message, but then he took me over talking about heaven and talking about the end days and talking about how you're going to lay crowns at the feet of Jesus. Why is he emphasizing that which was spontaneous utterance? Why? Because he wants people to get out of their small bubble of this is my little life and this is all that matters. No, there's another life. There's something coming. There's heaven coming. You're going to see Jesus. He's going to stand there. You're going to see him. You're going to give an account. You're going to lay crowns. I hope you have something. How you live here determines what happens there. You've got to give your life to this. Praise God. 
So I'm, why is he emphasizing all of this? Because I said last Sunday, 2020 and 21 are coupled. They are preparation years for the acceleration years to come. They really are coupled. And he gave me the analogy. He said, you remember when, when that boat, you, you know, I had to put my name on it because I'm the operator. And he said, when, when that benefactor and you signed for that boat, he said, you remember, you put it on paper. That's one thing. That's when the mantle came. You got it officially. It's yours. Legally, it's yours. But you don't know nothing about it. So that was 2020. Then we had to go and do a boat test for two hours on the water where the, where the man, the marina owner, teaches us all the bells and whistles and everything. This is what you do in emergency. This is what you do here. This is how you turn the batteries on. If the batteries die, this is what you do. This is how you tie it to the dock. This is how you put the cover on. I mean, every little detail. And it's an overwhelming amount of information. So we videotaped it so that I wouldn't forget. That is called the learning about what you have now acquired. Because if you don't, you'll run it into a rock and sink it. And he said, 2020 is learning how this mantle operates. You got it on paper, but now I'm taking your hand in 2021. You're at Jordan and the waters are opening up and revelation is coming. There's also a lot of attacks, but, but this is a year to learn about it. And for me to speak about the next number of years because of the season of Hebron, it's been an, and Pastor Nancy prophesied and said, it will be a season of downloading for you in 2021. It's going to be a lot of information. God's going to be speaking a lot. And he has. That's this year. Last year and this year was getting it and learning about it. But the next year is like when we're, they, they launch me out. <laughs> and the guy, I said to the guy when he put me out there for the first time, I said, Bruce, I said, why don't you come with me? Just, just, just help me a little bit. He goes, you're a big boy. I said, are you calling me fat? He, 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 said, he said, no. He said, you're a big boy. Didn't Glenn teach you how to use it? I said, yeah, but I'm nervous. He goes, you don't need to be nervous. He said, I'm just going to push you out. And when that, when that trailer with the pickup truck comes down, he kind of goes fast and then he hits the brakes to, to release that thing off the, off the, whatever the, whatever you call that thing, the trailer. And it just goes, and it pushes you out. And then you're on your own. If you hit something, it's your fault. If you get lost, it's your fault. If you don't pay attention to the map, it's your fault. And that's what it's going to be like next year. He's been teaching us some stuff and he's always with us from that perspective. But he expects us to walk in some things next year that we are learning this year. And that is why it's a Jericho year. It's the first conquest. And he said, it's a year of starts. And he said, many of your spiritual sons are going to have their assignments start. He said, other assignments for you are going to start. He said, there's going to be, uh, there's, going, there's a surge coming. It's an acceleration is coming, Reverend Sandy. But we are in a prep time because last year and this year are coupled and the next year and the following year are coupled. That's why he's talking about this so much because it's preparation season. And God knows with what's happened with COVID, we're going to need, we need this year to get everybody back on track. Some of them lost a bit of footing. They need to get their grip again. Some of them got a bit lazy. They need to get back in ministry of helps again. God knows it takes people time, Lorraine. For some people, they're the next week. As soon as they hear it, they're, some people take them six months. God knows all the different people and how long it's going to take them. So he's giving the whole year to say, let's get back to where we were pre-COVID because next year it's important. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Because an acceleration is coming. So that is why he's been emphasizing A-G-A-P-E. Because you can't accelerate if you don't have the basics. If you're not showing up attendance, if you're not giving, tithing, if you're not assisting in ministry of helps, if you're not in prayer privately and corporately, and if you're not bringing souls and helping grow the church, if you're not loving, that's the agape love of God with the body of Christ. You don't say you love the head if you don't love the body. If you love the body, you'll show up. If you love the body, you'll tithe. Don't tell me you love us if you don't. Jesus said, if you love me, obey me. He didn't say, if you love me, hug me. He didn't say, if you love me, give me words of affirmation. Right. Jesus' love language is acts of service. That's it. His, his love language ain't touch. Let me hold your hand, Jesus. Oh, sweet Jesus, hold my hand. Jesus' love language, if he has one, Jenny, you're shaking your head, but that's true. This is by the Holy Ghost. Jesus' love language is acts of service. He just wants you to obey. He said, if you love me, do what I ask. All your worship is great, but if you don't do what I ask and forgive somebody, if you don't tithe, if you don't go to the place I tell you to go and do the thing I tell you, you didn't really love me. I want to fill Jesus' love tank. I want to do what he asks. I want to make him so pleased with me and said, boy, that guy loves me, not just because he sings to me, but he did what I asked him to do. Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. So we're taking a little bit of time to get everybody back on track here. That was good, eh, Jenny? 
Jesus' love language. I know you didn't like it, but I liked it. <laughs> now, agape is, is an area he's focusing on, but he's also focusing, that's the local church, but he's also focusing on the international yes, side. And so he's talking, he said to me, now you've got your go partners, which is to help you go, and you're going to get flag partners because you're planting flags and starting works, field ministries located around the globe. And he said, now, can I just tell you something? I, I want to teach you something. Maybe you'll take a lesson from me and learn. When he told me that originally, he said, believe me for a thousand partners for, for flag and talk about it on the radio. Right. But he didn't tell me to talk about go on the radio. But he didn't also say specifically, don't tell me, don't do go. He just said, put flag on the radio. Let me tell you something. When God tells you something and he's specific about one thing, don't add something else, assuming that he forgot. Because he never forgets. So I got on the radio and I started talking about go and flag because it just seemed to me that that was the right thing to do. And the Lord rebuked me later and he said, why did you do that? And I said, because I'm doing it. I need 73 go partners and a thousand flag partners. He said, did I tell you to put go on the radio? And I went back to my notes. I, I, I was like, yeah, 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 I think you did. And I went back and what, I, what he said to me in that prayer time was, believe me for a thousand partners and put flag on the radio. He didn't say anything about go. He didn't say not to, but he didn't say to, so I shouldn't have assumed. And he said, I can't work with you, son, if you disobey me. Even if he doesn't tell you don't do something, I don't need to tell my children don't do something for them to know it's wrong. Don't hang the dog upside down by his hind legs. They know not to do that, whether I tell them that every day or not. Right? Don't turn the stove on when we're gone. They know that. So if they do it, well, you didn't tell me. See, that's a, that's a cop-out. But you know it. I don't have to tell you. You know it. God didn't say don't, but he also didn't say do. So I missed it there. And he said, I, my anointing can't work with people listening if you're not listening to me. He said, don't ever talk about go on the radio again. I said, well, where am I going to get the 73 partners from? He said, it's called Promise of Life Church. Amen. Amen. I tried to get you off the hook by having the sinners or the, the Christians out there, you know. But he said to me, the goal for sending you is from your church. And the flag is, yes, from your church if I touch hearts, but it's mainly for people out there. So, so why am I saying this? I'm not doing this as a, as, as a stunt. I'm trying to tell you, he's preparing us for acceleration. And I can't do the acceleration without those partners. Because those partners help me at a dollar a day to go, to go to these countries and to help the budget met for the travel fund. So part of our acceleration is not just talking about you attending and agape. It's also preparing for the international work. And so that's why I'm emphasizing it. That's why do you think God's emphasizing it now? He's emphasizing it now because he, he knows it's going to take some people time to say, well, do I really want to do a dollar a day? Do I really think Pastor Craig is worth going out to the nations? Do I really agree with this? Can my budget afford this? And of course, it doesn't have to be that amount. It could be any amount, even a one-time gift. But we're believing for a consistent monies so that we can count on that and we can book airfare and do what we need to do internationally. But, but it's going to take people time, some teal to figure that out. They don't make the decision right away. So some people need a couple months to kind of pray about it and get familiar and feel others can make it right away. A lot of it's personality based. But God's saying, talk about it because I'm giving you a lead, a buffer of time because I need this to be ready by December 31st. Do you, see, do you see how God's hand is working here in even the sermons? He's trying to get us to be prepared for what is to come. Are you all with me? Some of you are very quiet, scaringly so. So I was praying uh, this week, like I do every week, and I said, Lord, I don't know what to preach for Sunday. I don't know. Maybe I can just do something else, something nice. Maybe I just talk about, did Adam have a belly button? Everybody wants to know that. And I can answer that scripturally. I said, could I talk about that? Or the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Everybody likes the four horsemen. Maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> they don't get my humor. Uh, I said, maybe I just like a nice message on faith. Or making friends. Nobody has friends in our church. Maybe I can teach them how to be friendly and you'll have friends. And hygiene goes along with making friends. Wearing deodorant is the best friend magnet you'll ever have. And being fascinated by everything they say. Really? Explain that to me more. You'll have more friends than you can count if you're just fascinated by them. 
telling you it's the truth. See, this is what Tony Robbins teaches, but I do it for free. Praise God. Anyway, it's for free. <laughs> so I just want you to know, I said, Lord, I talk about friends, talking about something nice. And he said, no, son. He said, you're in a year of preparation. He said, I'll give you some Sundays where you can do whatever you want. He said, but this Sunday I have a mandate for you. I said, no. he said, remind the people of what you said the last couple of weeks so that it helps transition. He said, but, and then he said this statement to me. He said, uh, did you notice that Joshua made preparation for Jericho? We're talking about next year's Jericho year. It started, it's taking off. It's, he said, did you notice Joshua made preparation? He said, you're Joshua and your church is Joshua. And if he made preparation, you need to make preparation. Now, obviously this whole year is preparation. So of course we know that concept is true, but he said, he said it to me in a very particular way. And he said, I want you to talk about uh, the five promises that I gave you in September, 2017. Because in September 2017, I had an, I had an unusual uh, visitation from God. It was on a Friday night, and then it finished up on a Saturday morning in the very early part of September. And, uh, and I'll, I'll never forget that as long as I live, because I was feeling so, can I just talk to you for a minute? I was feeling so discouraged, because we all get that way sometimes. And we had just had people attack us and hurt us and leave and lie about us. And it was just a hard time. That was a hard week for me. And I remember I lay down on the bed in, in our room, the previous house we had. And I remember I lay down. Jenny was not there. And it was a Friday evening about 6 p.m. And I was so discouraged. And I just said, Lord, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to quit on you. But I don't know. Sometimes I just don't think this is worth it. Like, it's just you give everything and, and then they treat you this way. I just I don't understand it. I just don't get people. They don't understand the pressure I'm under. Maybe I don't understand the pressure they're under. I'm just trying to obey you. Why can't you help me more? Why can't you just force people to come to church? Why can't you just do mind control? Make them robots. Of course, that's not possible and that's not good. But I'm just kind of annoyed. I'm hurt. I'm sad. And I remember I laid, I turned the light off because when you're depressed, you don't want lots of light. <laughs> and, and I lay down on the bed, and I'm telling you, Jesus walked into the room. I didn't see him, but I'm telling you, an, a person walked into that room. I mean it, Jenny. Every hair on everyone. And I mean, I was instantly like this, and the, the holy presence of God flooded that room. I know it was Jesus, but I couldn't see him, but his presence walked into that room. And he spoke to me, and this is exactly what he said, and this is the tone in which he said it. Because Jesus is very loving and kind and moved the feelings of our infirmity, but when he knows that you know better, and when he knows that you are willfully yielding to sadness, he gets annoyed because you're supposed to be a soldier and you're acting like a wuss. And so sometimes he'll talk to you firm. Other times he won't, but sometimes he will. And this time he did. And he walked, I'm telling you, he walked into that room and I was instantly aware and, and I, the presence of God hit me and I sat up in that bed like this, just kind of on the edge of the bed. And I didn't know what to do. I put my head down. I don't know if I should kneel down, lie down. I don't know. I didn't want to move. It was such a holy presence. And I heard these words. It seemed audible to me. It probably was audible, but I, nobody else was in the room. So I don't know if they heard it or not, but it was as good as audible could be. And I heard him say these words in this tone. Did I not tell you? Did I not tell you? And then he continued on a number of things, but he basically got over to me. Was, what he was saying was, I have asked you to do this. Because yes. yes. I was so discouraged. And he was reminding me, this is not out of your head. This is not out of your authorship. Right. You did not ask to do this. You are not trying to do this on your own. I have asked you to do this. Right. In other words, buck up. Yeah. You've got... You've got orders from the king of heaven. Why are you discouraged? Because they do what they do. I've asked you. And then he talked to me a second thing. And he said, and I've asked, and he emphasized I the first time. And then he emphasized the word you the second time. And he said, son, I've asked you to do this. Not someone else, not some other preacher. I've asked you. So don't try to back away from it. Don't try to make excuses that other people have more education. Right. Don't try to make excuses that other people are better administratively or better preachers or nicer people or got more money. I asked you to do this. So do you understand there was two, he said five things. There was two emphasis. The first thing he said is, I am basically authoring this. So, so stop whining. What they do doesn't almost matter. I'm authoring. I won't let you fail. That's right. Then he said, I'm asking you. So don't try to push it off. I've asked you to do this. Right. 
And then he said to me, number three, he said, I'm going to tell you two things that you need to do and one promise. So there's five statements. The first two is I have asked you and I've asked you. Then he said, I'm going to tell you two instructions and I'm going to give you one promise. And he said, the first instruction is stay very close to Pastor Nancy. The others as well, but especially her. She's your primary feeder. He said, don't, don't get offended. Guard your heart. Be at every event that you can possibly be at. Be generous with her. Show her honor. And don't look to the left or the right. Just keep straight ahead with that relationship. Because if you don't, you're not going to make it. The second, that's a condition. That's a requirement. The second thing he said is, you need to get into my word like you've never got into my word before. Because my word brings faith. And without faith, you can't overcome the world. Without faith, you can't have conquest. He said the word, and he means the word and the spirit, but he emphasized word. He said the word and prayer, but he was emphasizing the word. He said you've got to get, you've got to get skillful. You've got to get hungry, and you've got to consume the word. And you've got to pray. So be close to your spiritual parents and word and prayer. And then he said, and I'm going to give you a promise. Now, this is a very holy thing. I have preached this, but uh, it's a very holy thing to me, so I'm not saying this lightly. But he said to me, he said, I'm promising you something. When Jesus tells you that when he's in your room, brother, you don't, you don't ever question it. He said, I'm promising you something. He said, any person that stands against you will fail. Now, that sounds like a very crazy statement, like, like almost like you... If I say it, it almost makes you think like, well, I'm an important person or, you know, narcissistic or something. But that's what he said to me. He said, if anybody rises their hand against you, I will deal with them. You will not fail. No man can cause you to fail. That's what he said to me. I didn't ask him to say that. Then he said, turn in your Bible. Because a, a word like that is important, but you can often maybe question it later. And go, was that just my mind? I mean, it wasn't my mind. It was very distinct and and holy. I knew Jesus was speaking to me. But you can sometimes, you know what I mean, the devil can work on you. And later on, maybe he didn't mean it that way. If he first tried to tell you it was your mind. Then if you say, no, it wasn't. I know that was God. Then he'll say, well, you misinterpreted. He didn't mean that. And he'll keep sowing thoughts to doubt you. So the surest word of prophecy is Scripture. Because Scripture is Scripture. You can't argue with Scripture. I can't, it doesn't, scripture's not based on feelings, James. It's the word. It's inspired by God and it's eternal and it lasts forever and he exalts his word even above his name. So God knew that this was a very important thing for me and he spoke it to me, but then he wanted to kind of like cement it in so to speak with not just it being an experience, but in scripture so that I would never doubt what he said. And I could always go back, even if the feelings and the emotions and the awe and the reverence of that moment lifts I'll always go back to the Word and I'll say, I know what God said. It doesn't matter how I feel right now and it doesn't matter that I felt so awed at that moment and I feel so low now. But I know what He said and I believe it by faith. So He took me and He said to me, you are like Joshua going into a land with great opposition. And He said, turn to Joshua 1. I know everybody knows this, but I just feel like I need to... He said to me this week, He said, I want you to talk to them. This is a preparation for Jericho, preparation for 2022, acceleration's about to start. Joshua had to prepare. I spoke to Joshua how to prepare, and I talked to you in September of 2017 how to prepare, and you haven't talked about it in a long time, and I need you to tell the congregation again what I told you. So I'm on a mandate. And so Joshua chapter 1, if you would please look with me, I want you to see um, it's not in the order it's written, but it's in the order that he spoke it to me. Now, everything that he said in those five statements is in this. (laughs) It's astonishing. It's astonishing. But I have scripture for it. I don't have an experience. I have the word. And so he said here, look at verse uh, 9 which is the last of these verses I'm reading, but it was the first thing he said. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. What was God saying to Joshua? I've I've commanded you. You be strong because I did this. 
Moses, it's not, Joshua, it's not you, it's me. I authored this. I'm, in, I'm empowering you. I'm calling you. I'm giving you the plan. You can't fail because I'm in your boat. Now, that sounds great to say, but it's a, it was a revelation to me. I am not called because you like me. Pastor Nancy says all the time, if people leave my church, she said, I refuse to let it bother me, although, of course, she doesn't want it, doesn't like it, but she said, they're just simply not a part of my calling. I was called before they came. I was called when they were here and I was called after they left. And because God called me, I will succeed. Amen. Now, people can hinder or speed up that calling yes. because we're a team and I can't do it alone. So people can slow down and the devil's always trying to get people to leave to slow down the momentum. Yeah. But one way or the other, he's called me. James, when you get to miracle, when you get to the Philippines, God, God has called you. Doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what people say about you. God has done it. And I'm just reminding you, God's called you like he called me. And if God called you to this place, protect it and guard it as precious gold because the devil's trying to uproot and destroy and make lazy and make afraid and make this and make excuses. And all, he's authoring confusion and delay and abortion. He's authoring it because he doesn't want people to do the perfect will of God where they're called. But if God called you, he did it. Amen. Don't go with your emotions and your feelings and the drive and the money and the, oh, God, if God did it, then you just take courage on that. So number verse nine, he's saying, I did this. Number, then the next thing he said to me, which, which is verse 7, but I want to read verse 7 from the Young's literal translation. Let me read it from the King James first. Only be thou strong and courageous, very courageous. That, uh, that, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. Where is it here, Jenny? You're throwing me off, honey. No, no, you're not. I'm kidding. Verse 6. This is not the order it's written, but it's the order he said it. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt, but the way he said it to me was, shalt thou divide for an inheritance, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. In other words, what he's saying to Joshua is, I've called you, but, the, but, but I want you to know that I called you. I didn't call somebody else, I called you. And he says, you will divide to this people. Now, if you look at it, which is in a wonderful translation, if you're ever looking for a very good literal translation, the Amplified Classic is good, but also the Young's literal um, is very good. And in verse 7, sorry, verse 6, it says, be strong. This is a literal translation from the, Greek, from the Hebrew. Be strong and courageous for thou, hyphen, thou. He repeats thou twice. Yes. There's an emphasis in the Hebrew on the word thou or you. Be strong and courageous for thou, thou dost cause this people to inherit the land which I've sworn to their fathers to give to them. God was emphasizing you. Don't put it off on Caleb. You. So verse 9, he's saying, I did this. And verse 6, he's saying, and you're going to do it. And that's exactly what he said to me. I've asked you to do this, son. And I've asked you to do this. I've got scripture right for it right here. No matter how I feel. It matters what he said. And then, remember the third thing, he said, stay close to Pastor Nancy. Now, have a look, please, with me, because it's right here. It's right here in Scripture. In verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses, Moses, my servant, command thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left hand, that thou mayest prosper wherever you go. But the emphasis in the Hebrew is not as much the law, the word of God, as it came from Moses. You stay with what Moses showed you. Now, Moses is dead in this case, but in our case, our Moses is alive. I'm alive for you. I'm your Moses. She's alive for me. She's my Moses. Mosette, I call her. She's my Moses, my female Moses. And so, but he said to me, he said, notice how I told him, don't turn to the left or to the right for Moses. You stay, you stay with what he said. And that's what he said to me. He said, don't get up. Don't get away from your heritage. Don't get away from that, that accountability in your life. Yeah. Don't get off as a lone ranger thinking that you're better. Right. You need to submit and you need to be humble. Yes. Because she'll rescue you from things. And there's an anointing to transfer and impart to you that you don't have, that she needs. Yeah. That you need, that she has. Praise God. So number one, I've done this. Number two, I've asked you to do this. Number three, stay close with your Moses. And then, of course, uh, that, now that's where the, the first two statements, and then he said two conditions. One, stay close, and two, get the word, the word and prayer. Mm -hmm. Well, look at verse 8. You know it very well. But this book of the law 
shall not depart out of your mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good say. But did you notice, but did you notice prayer is mentioned here as well? Because he said, this book of the law, which is the word, shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, speak it. Well, who are you speaking it to? Yes, your situation, but to God. Father, your word says, I don't take your word out of my mouth. Your word says I have a right to be healed. Your word says I have a right to prosper. My company's going under. They're downsizing. But your word says. Now angels go and bring me something better. I am a covenant man. I won't put up with poverty. You see, it's the word, but it's talking it back. It's not departing out of your mouth. Who are you talking it to? God. So it's the word and prayer right here in verse 8. Two conditions. Stay with your spiritual parents and stay with the word and prayer. Right here. I mean, you couldn't make this up. And then remember, he said, I'm going to make you a promise, number five. He said, and the promise is, anybody that withstands you, I'll deal with them. You will not fail. Now, that is a very hefty promise. Do you understand that God had to look, Vesna, into my future? He had to look to see into my future if I would turn away from him. If I would walk away from the call. If I would walk away from Christianity. If I would do heinous things like cheating on you or stealing money from the church. Because if I, if if I would do any of that, then he couldn't say this to me. Do you understand? The only way he could say this to me is if he looked into my future and saw, I've got him. I've got his heart. And he's not perfect, but he will walk with me all the days of his life. Otherwise, he couldn't make this promise. What he's saying, Taylor, is that he won't ever let somebody stop me. But that's a promise. That's that's an ironclad promise. You, You couldn't make that if you knew the person was going to turn away from you. Because then that would break covenant and that promise wouldn't exist anymore. He looked into Moses' future. He saw that he was going to live right. And so look what he says here in verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I will not fail thee. That means to, you know, we've got a, a rope that's taunt. And then you slacken that rope and it's kind of wavy. You, you, less, you, you let go the grip. It still means he's got you, but it means he allow, he's not, he doesn't got you tight. Right. Things can creep in. What he's, and this applies to you if you'll take it. What he's, because what is on me will come on you. What he's saying is, I won't slacken my grip on your life. No sickness, no poverty, no accidents, no failure, no nothing. I've, not only do I got you, but I'm going to keep it tight. That's a promise. That's what the Hebrew word here means when you see the word fail. And then it says forsake is a different Hebrew word. And that means not just to loosen the grip on the rope, but to let it go altogether. He's saying, I'm not going to let you go. And I'm not even going to lighten my grip. I've got you tight. I'm going to hold you to the day you die. I'm going to stand with you and I'm going to defend you and I'm going to protect you and I'm never going to leave you. Now we got that in Romans 8 as a promise. This was a word from God to me personally. No man will be able to withstand you. Are you you listening to me? Uh, To a measure, if you'll take it, it'll work for you. I know he didn't speak it to you. He spoke it to me. But if you're part of the garment, it it, it worked to a measure. And then then I want you to read Isaiah 41, please. Isaiah chapter 41. Because if you read Brother Dr. Sumrall's testimony, you know, when he was young... He got healed, tuberculosis, was going to die, saw the, saw the coffin, coughing up blood. God said, if you don't obey me to call, preach to, the call to preach, you'll be dead tonight. And it was a big Bible, six foot high, and a coffin. And he depicted the Bible. And he woke up the next morning healed. Blood on his pillow. When he went to sleep, woke up, his lungs were healed. And he went down, he told his dad, his dad got mad at him. And he told his mama, I'm leaving. I'm going to preach. He don't know. This is Lester. He don't know nothing. He's, what, 17 years old, whatever. He doesn't know nothing. And on the day he left, God spoke to him. And God gave him. This is a very powerful promise. And God said to him, uh, <clears throat> he, said, he said to him in verse 41, verse 10, he gave him, just like he gave me Joshua 1, he yes. gave him Isaiah 41 as a personal word for the rest of his life. Yes. I want you to notice the similarities. Yes. 
to the two words. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. Notice that it said that in verse 9. And verse, I think it was verse 9. He said, don't be dismayed. I'll be with you wherever you go. Well, look at what he says here. Uh, Fear not, for I am with thee. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteous. Watch now. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. Now, watch this statement. Dr. Sumro took this as a personal word from God. And all they that strive with thee shall perish. And there have been many times in his life where people have tried to come against him and he has said, if I were you, I would be very careful. Because God told me, those that strive with me, they'll die. Now that sounds ultimately narcissistic, but God told him that. And I know that I'm going to make some of you stumble, but maybe you need to stumble a little bit because you need a jolt to get your blood flowing. But there were three bankers that stood against him. Three bankers stood against him, would not help him. And God had told him that, he had, that they were supposed to help him. And he stood up one day and he said, in the name of Jesus, because you have withstood the work of God, you will die. And all three of them died in a year. And that kind of stuff happened. I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just saying there's a level of God that people don't know about. When you're dealing with an apostle, when you're dealing with an apostle who God himself has come to and said, anyone that strives with you, they'll die. I'm telling you, that is something to be sober about. And he never gave me that verse, but he gave me Joshua 1 verse 5, which is very similar. So can I, I'm almost done, but I'm trying to take you somewhere here. So I went to the Lord with this, this year, earlier this year, and I said, now Lord, why didn't you give me the promise that you gave to Sumrall about people dying? Not that I want people to die, but it seems stronger then just anybody withstands you, they won't be able to withstand you. What does that mean? I want you to give me Isaiah 41, 11. I don't really want Joshua 1, 5. I want to switch it out. Can I switch it out? And he didn't answer me because he doesn't answer stupid prayers and stupid questions. He didn't answer me. But I said, Lord, okay, I, th- I know you didn't tell me that. I know you told me this. So I'm just going to be grateful with verse 5. No man, any man for the rest of your life that stands against you, they will not succeed. I said, Lord, whether that means death or not, I don't want them to die. I just think it's cooler. The other one is cooler than this one. I said, so Lord, I said, I'm just going to take this way. And he didn't talk to me for three months. But this week, he spoke to me. And he said, you know how you asked me about switching? I'm so weird. I said, you said, you know how you ask? He he hears everything you say. Even your stupid prayers he hears. He said, you know how you asked me about that? I said, Lord, I'm so stupid and I'm so sorry. I should never have asked you about that. I don't want anybody to die. I love people. I just think like he had such a something about him, like you don't mess with Dr. Sumrall. I said, but but number five is like kindergarten, but this is PhD level. I just, you know, and he spoke to me this week. It freaked me out. He said, I want you to look up and study who who opposed Moses. Firstly, can I just say this to you? He said, before he said that, he said, look back at that verse. He said, you've missed something important. I've read the verse 9,000 times. How could I have missed something? I look back at verse 5, and it says here, Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5, and it says here, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of the life. That's where I ended. But it doesn't end there. It says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with thee. I've never seen the part that says, as I was with Moses. I'm just so focused on any man stands before you. But he said, as I was with Moses. So he said, you missed that part. I said, oh, this is pretty good. This is almost as good as Isaiah 41, 11. You didn't tell him that, you know, in competition with Dr. Summer a little bit. I said, Lord, you didn't, I'm joking, guys. You can smile a bit. You know, God understands us. He knows we're weird, okay? He made us weird. Just enjoy your weirdness okay just talk to him like he's your papa because he loves you and 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 he said but you missed something there he said i said as i was with moses in the same sentence that i said no one will stand before you i said as i was with moses i said i never saw that before i'm gaining ground on some role and i said lord i said what does this mean he said i want you to study who withstood moses and i want you to look at what happened to them so i started to study 
And there's many people that withstood Moses, a whole lot of people. But when I studied it out, he said, son, I want you to group them in three categories because there are three main categories of people that withstood Moses. This is by the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't know this. I've never heard anybody preach this before. But he showed me. I'm telling you, God speaks to me. I know how to hear his voice. And he showed me this because I'm getting ready for Jericho. And I, Joshua had to get ready for Jericho. And he said, there are three categories of people that withstood Moses. There's many people, but there's three categories. Right. He said, the first category is political. He said, Pharaoh withstood Moses. And he said, have I not told you through your prophet, Pastor Nancy, that the voice will grow and will change political things. If it's changing political things, there's obviously political things are going to come against you. He said, I said in that word that political things would change in Canada. He said, Pharaoh was political. He was, he's the king. It's a political system. He said, the first category of people that won't be able to stand is those that are political. And this is a word from God. It's not just me making it up. He said, and the second category because I had to study it. I didn't really know this, but there are categories, okay? The second category, if you quickly just look with me in Exodus, you're okay, it's only 11.59. i got 10 minutes. 10 minutes is an amazing amount what we can accomplish in 10 minutes. It's astonishing what 10 minutes of preaching can do. We're almost done. But have a look at Exodus chapter 1 and verse 7. Can you look there with me? No, that's not it. Taylor, where is it? You keep messing me up. Exodus 7 verse 11. Can you look at Exodus 7 verse 11? Because uh, in my study, I discovered something very interesting. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Every man cast down his rod, became serpents, and Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. Okay? Now, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Are you with me? You got it? 2 Timothy 3, 8. Now as Yanis and Yambres. I wonder if Yambres is Mexican. I think he was. Because I know a guy from Mexico called Brother Yambres, and he's an awesome man. I'm just wondering if he's Mexican. Anyway, now as Yanis and Yambres withstood Moses. Withstood! Do you see that? So do these also, these false teachers that it talks in the previous verse about, resist the truth, men of corrupt minds and reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly, these wrong teachers, their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs was. And theirs was, if you read it in the Amplified, theirs was, it says, I'm going to read it to you because I can tell you just don't believe what I'm saying. But if you read it in the Amplified, it says, as Yanis and Yambres was. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 8. Praise God. Second Timothy 3 verse 8 in the Amplified version says this. Just as Yanis and Yambres, the court magicians of Egypt, opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men of depraved mind, unqualified and worthless as teachers in regard to the faith. But they will not get very far, for their meaningless nonsense and ignorance will become obvious to everyone, as was that of Yanis and Yambres. So I did a study this week of who this dude Yanis and Yambres was. And the Talmud, which is not inspired scripture, but it's historical texts that the Jews, rabbinical writings of the Jews, for thousands of years from the time of Moses, they started writing the Talmud and they, and, and they refer back to it because it's, it's not inspired scripture, but it's, it gives you a lot of information about the scripture. The Talmud clearly says in multiple areas that Yanis and Yambres were the magicians in Pharaoh's court. Then there are two Greco-Roman, two, two philosophers and historians at the time of the Greeks and the Romans. And in their writings, they say clearly, Yanis and Yambres were part of the court of Pharaoh. Plus, Paul himself believed this and put it in inspired scripture that Yanis and Yambres withstood Moses. Now, Yanis and Yambres died, and there's arguments in the Talmud. Different people believe different things. Some believe that they died at the Red Sea. They converted to Judaism on the day of the Passover. When they saw the children dying, they, gave, they, they, they became Jews because they realized that God's power, they're the ones, if you study it, they were able to replicate the blood, and they were able to replicate frogs. It was Yanis and Yambres that were replicating the blood and the frogs. But when it came to the lice... They couldn't replicate them. 
And so these magicians realize they're dealing with a power beyond themselves. And they even told Pharaoh when he said, why can't you reproduce the lice? They said, this is but the finger of God that you are dealing with. Let their people go. These magicians, these warlocks, they are witchcraft people. They are sorcerers and evil men by working by the power of demons. And they're acknowledging, you better let these Israelites go. You're dealing with something that we have never seen before. And then eight more plagues came. By the end of it, these magicians were so impressed with Jehovah, they converted to Judaism. They went out with the people. The Talmud tells us that. And they either died in one of three places. They don't know when, but because there's different, but they either died at the Red Sea, something they turned back to go with Pharaoh and they drowned. Or the most common is that they sided with Korah and the ground opened up and swallowed them. And the third is that when they were having that sexual immorality with the Amorites and, and, and Zimri, bold Zimri, who was a chief of one of the tribes, took a woman, a Midianite woman, and stood right in front of Moses, laid her down, and started having sex with her in front of Moses as an absolute sign of disrespect to Moses and to God. Like, you're not going to tell me who I sleep with and who I don't watch this. And as, I don't mean to be graphic, but as he's having sex with her, Phineas, which was a Levi, came with a javelin in his hand out of a zealous rage that they would insult the God Jehovah. And he stabbed him through his back and it went through the woman's stomach and they both died there. And some believe that Phineas, because this Yazan and Yambres were, were instrumental in building the golden calf. They were instrumental in helping people worship the false god. That Phineas killed them. But there's no, you don't know where they died, but they died badly. That's all they know. And so the Holy Ghost spoke to me and he said, you see who opposed them? The New Testament says they opposed them. The New Testament said they didn't get very far. The New Testament said that they went, they were, they were discarded. And he said, the second category, son, is witchcraft. And with what we're going to do in these countries, Greg and I have been talking about it lately. There is, uh, and after he said this to me, he said, you remember when you went to Liberia and that wall of demons hit you and you were overwhelmed? No other country have I ever been to. And it's been like that. And I've often said, Lord, why, why, why was it like that there? Why wasn't it like that in India and, and other parts of Africa? And the Lord spoke to me about three months ago. He said, the reason it was so bad there is because they know you're an apostle and they know you're coming. And they were trying to kill you. They were trying to stop you and push you out of the country. It was overwhelming. I've never experienced demonic power like that. I, 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 I couldn't break through. I had to call the prayer team here and they prayed and fasted all night. And by the morning we broke it. But the Lord said to me, it's because of that office and because of your work that it, it is called to Liberia. That's right. And those demons are serious. They don't mess with this kind of stuff. But the Lord said to me, you weren't in the office of the apostle then. That's why you couldn't break through yourself. Are you listening to me? Yes. He only said this to me this morning in prayer, Greg. He said, you weren't in the office at that time. That's why you couldn't break through on your own. You were in the pastoral office. The pastoral office can't handle that. He said, but now you're in the apostolic office. He said, when you get there and they withstand you like that, he said, you'll be able to break through. Not that, I don't, not that I don't get prayer, not that I don't get help, but he said, the office has weaponry that the pastor's office doesn't have for demons. Are you listening to me? I'm trying to tell you this is preparation for next year. And he said to me, he said, there are three categories of people that withstood Moses. One are the political category and they fell before him. Two is witchcraft category and they fell before him. And the third one, it's many stories, but it's one category, and I'll use Korah as the example. He said, and ones within his own, within his own nation. See, the, 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 the Pharaoh was of outside. He's like a sinner, quote unquote. Right? And the, and the witchcraft, they're of the outside. They're sorcerers. They don't serve God. So those are outward people attacking and God delivered. But now you've got Israelites, and did you know Korah was Moses' cousin? People don't know that. That's why he thought he was better than he was. You can't tell me what to do. We're cousins. He was his cousin, the Talmud tells. The Bible doesn't say that, but the Talmud says that he was cousins. And so this Korah was part of him. It's part of his people. It's like some people in the body of Christ in our version of it in the New Testament. People that were not sinners and foreigners, people that were in the covenant. Wow. Rebellion mm-hmm. wow. turned against him and God destroyed him. And he said three categories, son. Political people, witchcraft, and rebellion amongst the saints. I'm telling you, I had an experience with God this week. He said, you're, you're so silly in the way you're looking at it comparing <laughs> to Isaiah 41. 
He said, because if you look at what they did and their outcome, every one of them died. The Pharaoh and his family and his, and his whole house and his whole land, death. The sorcerers converted, but then they turned back against him again and they died in a bad way. And then these Korah people, these in-house, in-house, not just foreigners, this is representing Christians yes. in the body, but withstanding in rebellion, trying to stop the work of God. I'm not saying God's going to kill people. What I'm saying is God is not going to let people, even Christians, stop this work. I'm not saying he's killing anybody. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not after blood. Okay, I'm not. I'm, that, that, remember, remember the sons of thunder. They said, Lord, call down fire and kill these people. And what did Jesus say? You don't know what spirit you're of. What he's saying is when you want destruction and death on people, there's demons inspiring you for that. Because the New Testament is about the love walk. Now that doesn't mean that you can't pronounce judgment and that God won't judge people, but you don't want it. You're not hungry for it. You're not seeking it. You're not lustful for blood. You want God to be merciful. You want God to, de to defend you, but you don't want people hurt or killed. So you've got to have the right motive in this. Okay? And he said to me, he said, don't be carnal in your comparison of this to Isaiah 41, because it's the same thing. He said, but you don't want death. You shouldn't want death because that's of the wrong spirit. He said, but you should want me to defend you. And he said, and sometimes when I defend you, it will cost them their life. But you're not after their life. You're after mercy. 26 times people have stood, 26 people have stood against David and tried to kill him, tried to assassinate him. And 26 times he has said, the Lord Jesus Christ be against thee. And judgment will come upon you because you face my apostolic office. And 26 people have dropped dead. 26, he's counted them. Politicians, warlocks. It's interesting, I never really thought about that. But politicians, that's political. There were warlocks that stood against him and God smote them, they dropped dead. He doesn't want them. He told me in the green room, he said, Craig, listen, he said, if you're ever in that situation, he said, you don't ever want them to die. No. You, don't, you want mercy for them. Yes. But you say, because you have withstood. And then he said, now you release judgment, but you let God do what seems right to him. You don't get involved in that. If God chooses to be merciful, fine. If he chooses to drop them dead, he, that's between him. That's, that's nothing to do with you. But he needs your words to release judgment in the earth. 26 times, both warlocks, which is witchcraft, political people, governors, and, and also people within the church that have withstood him. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's not a joke. So I'm just saying to you, I just felt prompted to tell you that the Lord said there's three categories that stood against Moses. And as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. He said, when political people stand up against you, I'm going to deliver you. When, when witchcraft stands up against you, I'm going to deliver you. And when rebellion within your own ranks stand up against you, I'm going to deliver you. Nothing is going to be able to stop this work and this ministry all the days of your life because I know that you're right. I know you're going to live right. You're not going to be perfect, but you can live right with me. He knows I am, Greg. He's got my heart. I'll give anything up for him. I'll give it all up for him. I'll go live in the gutter if he asks me to. I'm all in. All I've got is aces in my hand. And I'm all in. I know I'm going to win. Do you understand? I've got the blood of Jesus. He saved my life. I know I can't lose. I'm all in. People only don't go all in in the poker game when they don't think they've got a good hand. But when you know you've got a winning hand, there's nothing to lose. I've got the winning hand. Jesus, his blood washed me. He's called me. He's my savior. There, there's, I can't lose. So why wouldn't I give him everything? I'm all in, Sandy. I'm not holding back. I'm all in. And he said, tell the people that there's going to be three categories that withstood you like they withstood Moses, but I'm going to defend you. I said, Lord, you tell me that's enough that I know. He said, no, it needs to be preached. It needs to be spoken. It needs to be spoken into the realm of the Spirit. Sometimes you think I'm just preaching to you. I'm not. The, the words have to be released into the realm of the Spirit. Amen. Political people, if they try to touch this ministry, God will deal with them. Witchcraft, if they try to touch this ministry, God will deal with them. And rebellion within the ranks, if they try to touch this ministry, God will deal with them. Because he said, no man will be able to say. But what else did he say? I've called you and I've called you. Now you stay close with your parents and you stay in the word and prayer. And I promise you that nothing's going to cause you to be overcome. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. I had a part B to this, but like usual, part A took the entire sermon. 
So I'm going to do pick up part B next Sunday because there's another in the New Testament. There's something that connects to this that I needed to share with you from the New Testament, not just the Old Testament. But I'm going to wait till next Sunday for that because it'll take me another 10 minutes. And I just promised you that I'd only be 10 minutes. And I've probably gone over that as it is. Taylor is my timer and he's shaking his head. So that means my time is far spent. Father, I thank you for your mercy this morning. I thank you, Father, that Lord, if these people, <laughs> Lord, if they can grasp just even a portion of what you're saying today, this is great strength to it. There's a weightiness to this. Because Father, what you're basically telling us is because we've, we, we, we've committed to you and we've passed some tests that you are going to stand with us. That means that, Lord, I don't mean it in any manipulative way or any weird way or any strange way. My heart is pure in saying it. But, Lord, the people that are with me here in this work, that are part of my calling, that are, that are in this church and that are helping me do the plan of God and that are doing the plan of God with me, Lord, what you've said to me comes unto them, that you will deliver them. That you will deliver them, Father, that if they will stand because they're up under this anointing and they're under this office, I believe with all my heart that a measure of this, Father, applies to them and that you will deliver them from those that stand up against them. But their hearts have to be right and their motives have to be pure and they have to be rightly connected and in your word. But if they will stand with this vision, if they'll stand and run in Hebron, I believe, Father, you will divinely deliver them from all that withstand them. Not out of an impure way or out of a manipulative way, but Father, when people withstand them, when, when, when others try to come against them, when sinners try to hurt them, when even family members or believers try to abuse them, that Lord, there will be a divine shield to protect them and you will come to their defense. Lord, part of that anointing that is on me comes on them because they are the garment. And of Aaron's beard, it comes down to the skirts and even to the uttermost part thereof. And I know that you didn't just want me to say it because you're having me preach it as a, as, a, as a proclamation to make it known publicly and to speak it into the realm of the Spirit. But I know you also want me to say it because you want to encourage them this morning that you are with them. And when they are in the perfect will of God and rightly connected and in the Word, they've got to be with their Moses and they've got to be in the Word. And when those, they meet those conditions... That, Lord, when things rise up against them, you will divinely and supernaturally deliver them. We are not afraid. We will, our businesses will go forward. Our children will go forward. Our marriages will go forward. Our health will go forward. Our finances will go forward. You are our mighty hand to guard and to protect us. And no man will be able to withstand us all the days of our life. Lord, however they're going to take it, let them take it. However they're going to receive it, let them receive it. If they've got faith for it, let them reach out and take it as their own. If they don't have faith, then Lord, let it just encourage them. But Lord, I know if they'll reach out and take it, if they'll put, your, put you to your word, hold you to your promise, because they're under me, and because that promise was made to me, it is also made to them to a measure. And you will, those that withstand them, you will deliver them from. Even right now, I know by the word of knowledge that there is a situations many of you are facing. Some legally, some, uh, some with family members, some with your workplace, and there's a withstanding. I've preached your answer today. You go home and say, Father, I am part of the garment of this, of this ministry, and that anointing comes on me because I'm faithful. And I'm claiming your word, Joshua 1.5. And I'm saying, Father, these withstand me. My heart is right. I'm in the word. I'm submitted. I'm led by the Spirit. But this is withstanding me. Deliver me, Father. Let them not stand against me all the days of my life. I release your power to go and defend me and to deliver me from this situation. And if you'll do it with all your heart and believe it, I'm telling you you the power of God will flow and God will turn things that you thought were impossible and he will remove obstacles that you thought you'd never see removed he'll remove people from you that you thought you would always have to face because God is serious about this he is into defending those that are his own and we can all claim Joshua 1 5 in general because it's the Bible but God spoke it to me personally like he spoke it to Dr. Sumrall. It's different when it's a rhema word to you. Faith is there to claim it in a different way when it's a rhema word to you. And I'm telling you, you can claim it. And we will be delivered in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Father, both politically, both in the witchcraft dark realm, and even in rebellious realms, even of, of saints that try to turn against us, which has happened more times than I can count because they don't like the doctrine. Father, I thank you that you deliver us. 
I don't want anybody hurt, Father. My heart is not for anybody. I don't want to be like the sons of thunder. I'm not looking for anybody to die. But Lord, I thank you that you deliver me. That they will not be able to stand against me all the days of my life. And Father, I leave them in your hands. I say what you tell me to say and I leave it up to you as the judge of all the earth that does what is right, how you deal with them. But Lord, you will deal with them. For this ministry is going to go forth in the earth strong and Jericho will be a catapulting slingshot acceleration year in their lives personally, in their health, in their finances, in their business, and with my spiritual sons and with the other ministers and their traveling ministries and their churches, Pastor Chris and, and Pastor uh, Rios and others, Lord. Lord, this is going to be an acceleration year in Jesus' name, 2022. We're getting ready for it, Father. We're getting ready for it right now because it's going to be a catapulting year. You told me last year and this year were a couple, but next year you're releasing the catapult. So I thank you, Father. It will surely come to pass and as we walk in it we will stay close with our Moses we'll stay close with your word and we thank you that nothing will be able to withstand us we will move forth unhindered because you have called us not our minds not some board you called us and you called us you didn't call somebody else you called us to do this job and that means we have the ability and we have the ar arsenal and we have the weaponry and we have the money and we have all that we need to accomplish it. So I give you praise. Can you say, I don't know if you can feel it, but I can feel that heavy, I don't know how to describe it. It's like, it's that apostle thing. I'm telling you, I can feel that heavy kind of thing on me. My God, like I could run through a troop. I could run right through a wall this morning. I, I just, there's a spirit of faith here this morning for me to believe God to do things. So, Father, under this anointing, I'm asking you for that 73 gold members. I'm asking you, Father. I'm asking you, Lord, you told me don't put it on the radio that I will raise them up from within your midst. So I'm asking you to speak to hearts because I got that spirit of faith on me right now, which is stronger than normal. So, Father, under that anointing, I ask you, raise them up, speak to them. You deal with them. I'm not going to try to pressure it. You deal with them. And I thank you that all of those 111 partners that I need and all of that 40,000 a year that I need so I can go and preach around the globe as an apostle, I say it comes in. I say the $1 a day, 111 partners, it comes in. I release my faith for it, Father. I will not be withstood. You're raising up people beyond their tithes and offerings and beyond Hebron ownership. Beyond our Oasis fund that we're raising, you're raising up people to be generous and to say, I help you go. I help you go. You go with my help. Oh, glory to God. I praise you, Father, for it. It will surely come to pass. It will surely come to pass. Yes, and even more than I need, even more than I need. I'm asking for that number, Lord, but even more because you're stirring hearts in Jesus' name. And I won't waste their money, Father. I will use it for the furtherance of your gospel and not one dollar will go into my pocket as salary. It is all for the mission field. I will use it wisely and skillfully and honorably. They don't have to worry about wasteful uses of their money. Lord, I give you praise and I give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Jenny, I don't understand. I, I feel that strong anointing, man. I don't, know how to, I don't know how to unhook from it. Ever heard, remember doctor would say that? When that heavy prophet's thing, he doesn't know how to let go of it because it's so, it's so, I don't know how to put it in words. I just can't unhook it. It almost seems un, un, not right to unhook from that. Because in that anointing, I can get things done, man. We should have a prayer meeting right now. I can get things done if I can just stay under that anointing a bit longer. Oh, Lord, I thank you for it. Now, bless them as they give and bless them as they go home and eat their chicken. In Jesus' name. Let them know how much I love them. And let them know how much you love them. And we're in this race together. And I'm raising up soldiers, not babies. I thank you that I have a church filled with soldiers. Honorable men like Gideon's 300. Like Abraham's 318, trained and armed in my own house. Glory to God and we will overcome in Jesus' name.